Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the program. Eight minutes after five o'clock, sunshine, even with some ominous clouds overhead in downtown South Bend, Indiana, on this Tuesday, September the 27th of 2022. We've got two hours to talk local sports here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com. And on the free WSBT radio app. We're also streaming live right now on the free Twitch app. Just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the Irish offense put together a fine performance against North Carolina after three struggling weeks to start the year. With the Irish on a bye week, today we hand out, I guess, at the quarter pole. An early report card to the various Fighting Irish offensive positions. So we'll unveil that coming up in just a little bit. We have our Twitter question of the day. Five random thoughts about Notre Dame's 2-2 two and two start in our My 5 question of the day. In the 6 o'clock hour, it's Tuesday, so we talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider Mike Singer. We'll talk about the decommitment last week of offensive tackle Elijah Page. He believes that Page will end up at USC. We'll also talk about 2023 quarterback recruiting, what it's going to take for the Irish to consistently bring in high-level quarterbacks, keep them here, and develop them. So we'll have that conversation with Mike coming up, kicking off the 6 o'clock hour here on WSBT Radio How about some post-game comments from Notre Dame linebacker Maris Leofal after the 
32 win over North Carolina. We'll have that for you next hour. And we will wrap up tonight's program with our sports wagering segment here on WSBT Radio. Again, apologize. Doing the best I can with my voice. A little chest cold is hampering the voice right now. So hopefully in a couple of days this will go away. This is something I normally get in November. So this has arrived a tad bit early. We'll fight through it again. Apologize. Hope you'll hang with me here on WSBT Radio. There might be a pause from time to time to take a little sip of water to keep things operating and functioning okay, but we'll get through our program here and try to deliver a good program for you on this Tuesday, September the 27th of 2022. Now, within the last 45 minutes, Fighting Irish basketball coach Mike Bray got some very nice news. A four-star shooting guard has verbally committed to the Fighting Irish, Parker Fredrickson. He is from Oklahoma, 2023 four-star shooting guard slash combo guard, according to the On3 consensus, which brings together the major services and comes up with an average for all these players. On the On3 consensus, he is ranked as the 123rd best player in the class of 2023. He is ranked as the number 30 shooting guard in the country. Just watching some video before the program of Fredrickson, he has a quick release. He does not need a whole lot of space to get off a three-point shot. Looks like he's got some pretty good range as well. Read a steady shot 40% from three and has kind of blown up on the AAU circuit from what I understand. So the Fighting Hours pick up their third member of the class of 2023, Fredrickson joins Brady Dunlap, a 6'7", small forward, and the local product from Penn High School, the guard, Marcus Burton. So Mike Bray getting some things done today. By the way, Fredrickson ended up picking the Fighting Irish over Davidson and Nebraska. So the Oklahoma native is headed to South Bend to play in the ACC for the Fighting Irish. Also today, In Major League Baseball, some things can be wrapped up with the action tonight. The Houston Astros can clinch the number one seed in the American League playoffs with a victory over the Arizona Diamondbacks, plus a loss by the New York Yankees at the Toronto Blue Jays. So the Astros are all but ready to lock up that number one seed in the American League. Speaking of the Yankees, of course, a lot of focus on Aaron Aaron Judge sitting on 60 home runs, trying to get to 61 to match Roger Maris. Well, the Yankees can clinch the American League East tonight, a first-round bye, and home field advantage in the American League Division Series with a win at Toronto. So a lot can be gained by the Yankees tonight. And the third and final possibility tonight in Major League Baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals can clinch the National League Central with a victory in Milwaukee over the Brewers. The Cardinals' magic number is three, but they can actually clinch because, from what I understand, they will now hold the tiebreaker over Milwaukee. So even if they win tonight, the magic number would be one, which means a tie, but the tie goes to St. Louis. So that's why with a magic number of three, St. Louis can clinch the National League Central tonight with the victory 
over the Milwaukee Brewers. And, of course, a very important game for the Brewers as they try to catch the Phillies or the Padres for that final spot in the wild card chase in the American League. Right now, the Phillies are the sixth seed, so the Brewers are chasing them. The Phillies in Chicago to take on the Cubs. So Kyle Schwarber back at Wrigley Field for a few days playing for the Phillies against his former team in which he won a World Series title. And we all remember that 2016 World Series. That was the year Schwarber got injured very early in the year with a torn ACL, got back for the World Series, and boy, his bat was a difference maker against Cleveland. Without Schwarber, you wonder if the Cubs get it done against the old Indians and now the Guardians and Cleveland, now the AL Central champions in 2022. The White Sox elimination number is three. They've lost six in a row. There doesn't seem to be much of a heartbeat left in this team. That is just maybe two days away from being eliminated from all postseason consideration. Finally, did you catch the Monday night football game last night? The New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys playing in New Jersey. Cowboys pulled off the victory 23-16. to In that ballgame, I'm becoming more convinced that Cooper Rush can do an okay job running this Cowboys offense while Dak Prescott is out with a finger injury. Now, you're not going to replace Cooper Rush with Dak Prescott because Dallas has invested all that money in Prescott, whether it was the right decision or not. This is where they stand, and it's hard to imagine they would replace Prescott with Rush unless it just really got bad later on this year. But he does the simple things. He doesn't turn the football over. He's a little better than a game manager. In fact, he threw, I thought, some really good balls down the field last night. But the Cowboys, of course, will go back to Dak Prescott when he is healthy. And for the Giants, their offensive line did not have a great night. Daniel Jones was running for his life at times. You know, he was okay in last night's ballgame. Still did not make enough plays to get the victory. So the Giants fall from the ranks of the undefeated. We have two teams left undefeated in the National Football League, and both are led by Alabama quarterbacks. Tua Tagovailoa and the 3-0 Miami Dolphins and Jalen Hurts leading the 3-0 Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles got the Jaguars this week. That'll be interesting in Miami, short week. At Cincinnati, we don't know if Tua Tagovailoa is going to play with the injuries he suffered on Sunday against Buffalo. The coach of the Dolphins today said it's kind of up in the air. I got the impression if it was a regular week, he probably would not practice a whole lot. So the anticipation is it might be Teddy Bridgewater starting at quarterback for Miami and Cincinnati. And the Bengals are the favorite in this game. And I would assume the status of Tua affects that number as well. But it has been as much as Dolphins plus four. It might be plus three and a half now. But there's a lot of love right now going to Cincinnati, who is one and two. The Dolphins are the hot team at three and zero. Oh. And when you see that number, it makes you scratch your head and you wonder the Bengals might be the right play right now in that game. All right, 517 is our time. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, we had a discussion yesterday about 
What is the fair way to evaluate the Irish offense for what they accomplished against North Carolina on Saturday? A 45-32 win over the Tar Heels where the Irish ran it right through the Tar Heel defense and pretty much had their way in the passing game as well. It was an all-around terrific performance against a run defense and a pass efficiency defense that are both in the bottom 10 in the FBS. No question, Carolina is not a good barometer to where you are just because of how absolutely anemic their defense is. But still, you have to execute. As a quarterback, you have to go through the reads properly, find the open man, deliver the ball accurately, and Drew Pine did that in the ballgame. The Irish offensive line shoved around the Carolina front, opening huge holes for Audric Estime, Chris Tyree, and a little bit for Logan Diggs as well. I mean, you look at how many times Michael Mayer was left all alone. That tells you of the chaos right now in that North Carolina defense. If you're going to leave anybody open, it can't be 87. But good news for Drew Pine. 87 was available quite often for the junior quarterback. So Pine got the job done, 24 of 34, throwing the football. He did not turn the ball over. There was an effort to get the ball down the field. The average throw against Cal by Drew Pine was 2.8 yards against North Carolina. Totally different passing concept. The average throw downfield for Drew Pine was 8.9 yards. I mean, that's a big, big difference, and why not? There were times, for example, on third and three for Notre Dame, the Carolina defenders were playing 10 yards off the Irish receivers. I mean, that's pitch and catch. That's almost like warming up at the start of practice without a defense on the field. That is very enticing, and the Irish, hey, they took advantage of it, and that's what you want to do. Marcus Freeman, after the win on Saturday, was asked to offer his analysis on the play of his quarterback, Drew Pine, who started his second game of his career down in Chapel Hill. Yeah, just execution. You know, you saw last week in the first half, Drew makes the right decisions. It's never a decision-making issue. It's the execution. And early in the game last week, he had a, you know, he wasn't executing the way he would want or we would want. But today, again, he continued to make good decisions, but he executed, put the ball where it needed to be, and some guys made some plays. And so he's going to always be prepared. He's going to always know what to do with the ball. The continuous the challenge for him is to execute the right way. To me, decision-making and execution are kind of related. So his decision-making was good, but his execution lacked at times. So I'm just going to assume it's the operation once you made a decision. That's where Pine has to get better. The accuracy throwing the football, maybe throwing it on time. Because decision-making seemed to be just fine, according to Coach Freeman, but we're back to that execution word once again. Hey, it was a step in the right direction. That was a probably two steps forward for Drew Pine in the passing game. I think you got to give Drew credit from the standpoint there is still some instability and consistency problems with a couple of the wide receivers. So you're not playing with a full deck. Your offensive line did a nice job protecting him 
on Saturday. The running backs were highly effective, catching the football. Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs wide open on that touchdown throw from Drew Pine. So a lot to be happy about, I think, as we now move forward into a different part of the schedule. These teams coming up in October have a little more tape on Drew Pine. They had tape of him last year in an offense that wasn't necessarily designed for him. It was Jack Cohn's offense, but Drew got in against Cincinnati and Wisconsin and was around a 50% passer. Got in against Marshall again, came in off the bench, but now the last two games he's had a full week to prepare. Tommy Reese has had a full week to put the offense in the best position to succeed with Drew Pine as the starting quarterback. Now is an opportunity for defenses coming up on the schedule to tweak what they may do against Drew Pine because they have more information on what Pine is capable of doing. What does he like to do? What are his strengths? What are things that Notre Dame is avoiding with Drew Pine? Good defenses try to take away the things that Drew Pine likes to do and force him into maybe doing things he doesn't want to do or throw to people he doesn't want to deliver the football to. So this is kind of a pivot moment for defenses, and it'll start with BYU. They play Thursday against Utah State, so they'll have some extra time to prepare. And we'll see if BYU comes up with a different way of thinking defensively against Drew Pine. And if they do, it'll be up to Tommy Reese to pivot his game plan and try to defeat that new concept by BYU. So I think this is an interesting moment. Pine had success against California after a rough start. Didn't throw the ball down the field. This game, he was allowed to throw the ball down the field and had a very nice day in Chapel Hill. So now defenses, let's see what they do with two full games of tape on Drew Pine And we'll see if BYU tries to attack this offense a little differently. 524 at WSBT Sportsbeat on WSBT Radio. Well, this was not your Ohio State game plan offensively against North Carolina. The Irish attacked this Carolina defense. Of course, when you can run the ball at will, it makes the play sheet (laughs) grow. I mean, you're pretty much able to do whatever you want offensively. Credit to the offensive line and the running backs for getting the job done against Carolina. So this wasn't like Ohio State when you knew you were facing a high-powered offense. Irish played conservative, not creative offensive football and nearly pulled off the win. They did not come in with that attitude against North Carolina. They did not prove to be as powerful as I think we all first thought, because the Irish defense, especially in the middle portion of the game, had North Carolina tied up. Late in the ball game, there were a couple of breakdowns leading to touchdowns. We can't say those didn't happen. But in the heat of the action, the Notre Dame defense did an awfully good job, including containing Drake May from running the football after he got off to that oh boy start when he was able to run the ball pretty easily. Maris Leofow looked to be a spy on him throughout the ball game, and that kind of slowed down May's ability to run the football. But back to the Irish offense, it was not a buttoned-up offensive game plan. 
Marcus Freeman's offensive game plan? Well, they came out aggressive, and it turned out to be the right decision. Here's Coach Freeman on Tommy Reese's offensive game plan. Yeah, it's, you know what? I, I try to tell the team all the time that when things go bad, it's bad play calling. When things go well, it's great play calling, right? That's the reality of things. And that, you know, I believe in the game Tommy Reese has called from Ohio State to Marshall to Cal, and now we were able to execute better. And that's, to me, the sign of a leader is to, are we preparing the right way, you know? And that's, to me, the challenge. And that's, to me, what our coordinators of the team to do. We're preparing um, better. And we're looking at how to prepare better. And that's a challenge. And so the result of that preparation is what you saw today, is that we had some guys open. We were able to call some some plays, offense and, and defenses, you know, that had success. But that's the beauty of our position. When things go well, right, it's coaches. You know, coaches did a great job. When things aren't going so well, it's a lot of times on the coaches. But the reality is the players have to execute, and we have to put our job to put those, position, those players in position to execute. Yeah, I don't think any of us in the Notre Dame media has been going down that road. It's just coaches' fault, execution. I think there's been a blend of conversations about what has went on with this offense that going into last week was one of the worst scoring offenses in the country. I think we left the Ohio State game knowing that Marcus Freeman wanted a conservative game plan. He wanted to eat up the clock. He admitted it. Wanted to keep Ohio State off the field. And you know what? For three quarters, it worked very, very well. The defense held up their end of the bargain as well. And they had Ohio State on the ropes. But it was time to try to put some offense together. Unfortunately, they couldn't do that. My analysis was I totally understood the thinking of Marcus Freeman. I got it. I understood it. Could you be a little more creative while being conservative? Yeah, I think that could have helped a tad bit, but they felt like that gave them the best chance to win. And you know what? It was 7-3 late in the third quarter, so it turned out to be pretty good thinking. But I think you as Irish fans and me sitting here talking about the team, you'd like to be in a position where you have a quarterback that you're not afraid to come out and say, you know what, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, Let's have some fun. You think you can outscore us? Go ahead. You'd like to be in that spot. You hate to come in with the thought, well, we got to take care of the football because this is not being critical, but this Notre Dame team at that point was not going to go toe-to-toe offensively with Ohio State. That's where we should be. That's not reality. So they did what they thought was best. And you know what? For three quarters, it worked out extremely well. And at the end of the day, Ohio State is not going to score less than 21 that they did against Notre Dame. The Irish are going to do as good a job against Ohio State as anybody. So I thought the coaches did a good job giving this team a chance to win for the team they had at that moment at Ohio State. The Marshall game, I thought at times the offensive game plan was a little off the mark. Early on in the ballgame, I thought Marshall's offensive coordinator was calling the game. Notre Dame should eventually. We got to that. And Notre Dame got going offensively, didn't win the game, unfortunately. Cal, they did what they needed to do. They didn't need to throw the ball down the field, so there's no criticism there. You win with what you go into the game believing is your best game plan. Was it pretty? No, but it's not a beauty contest. So no criticism there. North Carolina game, 
they could do whatever they want offensively. So there's no criticism there. So I guess coaches can criticize players for their execution, but fans and media can't criticize coaches for maybe decisions that they make. I guess that's how the game is played nowadays. 5.30 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The Irish use that three-running back rotation against North Carolina. Estime, Tyree, and Diggs, man, they had some fun running around, through, and over that North Carolina defense. I think more so the rhythm of the game. It was good to have Logan back. Um, he had a good week of practice, but the ability to use those three in different ways. You know, we listen, when we lost Kevin this week and uh, we knew we were going to have to be kind of strategic in terms of what personnel we're going to use. And to have a guy like Chris Tyree that you can use in the backfield, use in the slot, do some different things with, uh, it really creates, it opens up things for our offense. And so, um, again, they were just going on a roll. You know, credit to Coach McCullough, who's done a great job with that group, the unselfishness, unselfishness of that group. Uh, it was really good to see today. Yeah, like we've been talking about, I prefer two backs, but three will work, and that showed against North Carolina. I'm still a big Chris Tyree guy. Hope he continues to get opportunities to do all different sort of things for this Fighting Irish offense. Fun to see Audrey Kestame get rolling. Power football in the fourth quarter. Unfortunate fumble down near the goal line, but Estime, I love that in the fourth quarter, giving him the football and let him wear down even more a fatigued defense like North Carolina. So the Irish win, 45-32. Irish getting set for that trip to Vegas a week from Saturday as the Irish will take on BYU, who will host Utah State Thursday night. Right now, BYU number 19 in the country and a 3-1 football team. 28 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Sports speed here on WSBT Radio. Notre Dame Offensive, first four-week report card comes your way next. Kind of think about how you would grade quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line, and offensive coordinator. Have those in mind. I'll offer my thoughts coming up in a couple of moments. As Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown, Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Let's keep the Fighting Irish offensive conversation going in this particular segment. 5.38 is our time on this Tuesday evening. Fighting Irish back on the practice field today. The coaching staff out recruiting yesterday. That's one of the things I'll ask Mike Singer about coming up in our recruiting segment in probably about a half an hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, The Irish have 12 regular season games, of course. They have played now four games after dropping the first two to Ohio State and Marshall. They have bounced back with victories over California and North Carolina. It is now time for their only bye week of the year. So since we have a little stoppage in Notre Dame football, why don't we take a couple of moments and look back at the first four weeks, and we'll hand out a report card for the various 
Irish positions. And at the end of the conversation, I'm going to try to offer a grade of where I think this group will be after the next four games of the Notre Dame football season. So let's start at the high-profile quarterback position. The first two games started by sophomore Tyler Buckner. Suffered the left shoulder injury that needed surgery, out four months, done for the year, opening the door for junior Drew Pine to make his first two collegiate starts. So over the first two games, the Irish were 31 of 56, throwing the football at 55%. Most of those throws, obviously, were Tyler Buckner's. One of those in a high-profile game against Ohio State, and then issues with a Sunbelt team at Notre Dame Stadium in Marshall, who has not looked the same since that game. Then you take a look at the last two games, how things have changed. North Carolina and Cal, their pass efficiency defenses. Cal is right now 53 in the country, so better than average, respectable. The Irish did not challenge California down the field in that game. North Carolina, bottom of the barrel, number 127 now in pass efficiency defense, and the Irish threw it wherever they wanted against Carolina. At the end of the day, against those two pass defenses, Notre Dame hit on 71.9% of their throws. Drew Pine, highly efficient. Of course, the completion percentage should be extremely high in that Cal game when he was throwing it on average 2.8 yards down the field. Ended up 14 of his last 15 throwing the football against the Golden Bears. And then North Carolina, that number increased to 8.9 yards per throw. And he still completed a very good number, 24 of 34. Buckner did a nice job running the football, which is a factor. Drew Pine, after that sluggish start against Cal, has settled in as a starting quarterback. This, to me, out of the six categories we're going to talk about on offense, I felt like this was the most difficult to grade because the quarterbacks, Buckner, at Ohio State, that game plan was to run the football. And remember, he was 8-for-8 throwing early in that game, ended up 2-for his last 10. The Marshall game was not a great game for the Irish quarterbacks. Pine was fine against California, really good against North Carolina. So I felt like their grade should be somewhere between a B and a C. I wrote down C because I guess I'm a little bit of a hard grader. And maybe I was too hard on them from the standpoint we also have to keep in mind the inconsistencies at the wide receiver position, not named Lorenzo Styles. That's tough. That's really tough on a quarterback. Plus, the running game through two games was at 117 yards per game. That's not helpful for a quarterback either. So, I think Drew Pine's grade is better than Tyler Buckner's grade. You average them. That's where I came up with the C. I could see Pine being a B right now. Buckner maybe a C, C minus. So, I settled on C for now. As you look at down the road, after the next four set of games... I'm expecting that grade to be B, B minus. 
I'm hoping Drew Pine continues to take steps forward, as Marcus Freeman talked about, better execution. He's making good decisions, but the execution part needs to be better. And I think that can happen. I've been pleasantly surprised with the lack of mistakes by Pine outside of that fumble in the Cal game. You know, he's done a good job of taking care of the football. That was my biggest concern. So I think he could be in that B, B minus category when we do this again, do this again four games from now. Our Notre Dame four-week offensive report card moves to the running back position. Now, I'm basing this on running the football, catching the football, pass protection. I'm not factoring in the combination of the offensive line, which was a little hit and miss the first two games. Now they appear to be coming on strong. So this is just execution by the running backs. I went with a B plus. You got the three-headed monster. Chris Tyree's the old guy. He's kind of given way to Audric Estime as the top ball carrier, and Logan Diggs gets his share of the action outside of the Cal game when he was dressed, didn't play due to an illness earlier in the week. Right now, the running game is at 160 yards per game. Before the Carolina game, they were at 117 yards per game. So that Carolina game where they could do whatever they wanted offensively, that at least got their yards per carry for the year up to 4.0. And the Irish have seven rushing touchdowns. Estime, thanks to that effort against Carolina, his numbers now look inflated. 54 carries, 264 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. Leads the team with four rushing touchdowns. I think he's been really good in some noticeable pass protection situations. A couple of times he has kept a defender away from Drew Pine as he fires a touchdown pass. One of those against North Carolina. So Estime, first chance to really play as a full-time player, has been terrific. Chris Tyree, the Swiss Army knife, can do a little bit of everything. 41 carries, 189 yards. He's at 4.6 yards per carry with a rushing touchdown. And he's got the 12 catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. I think he's capable of doing more for this offense. But they have settled into that three-headed monster. And so his numbers are going to be held back a tad bit. Then you've got the sophomore Logan Diggs coming off the shoulder surgery. Looked a little better against Carolina for the season. 21 carries, 55 yards, 3.3 yards per carry. Has three receptions, and he's helped out by being left wide open in the Carolina game as receiving yards up to 65 with a touchdown. I think this group has been solid overall. I'll give them a B-plus because I don't think everything was on them for the lack of the running game being a little off early on in the season. We move now to the report card, the first four games for the Notre Dame wide receivers. I had someone on Twitter mention to me, maybe this grade should be incomplete. You know, I'm not a big incomplete guy from this standpoint. I know there are sophomores that are playing right now at wide receiver, but you also have a veteran guy in Brayden Lindsey who has been out on the football field a lot. He's been with this program a long time, so I just don't feel like incomplete is a fair way to go because there are guys that have had 
enough playing time. Lorenzo Styles got enough playing time last year not to be considered a young or rookie player. So we're lumping all the receivers together. My grade was a D plus. Now, Lorenzo Styles is not in that category. If it's a group project in science, everybody gets the same grade, but sometimes one guy or one gal does a little bit more than everybody else but is stuck with the same grade. That's kind of Lorenzo Styles. Styles has been very effective for Notre Dame. 16 catches, 221 yards, and a touchdown, as we expected, has settled in nicely to be this team's number one wide receiver. Not number one target, that's Mayer at tight end, but wide receiver target, Styles is the guy. Then you got Lindsey. He's got seven catches for 69 yards. Salerno, three for 42. Thomas, three for 32. Wilkins has not been a factor so far. So this has just been kind of pedestrian at this time outside of Styles. This needs to get better again. It would help Drew Pine as a quarterback to get more consistent play out of the group outside of Styles. So I went D plus right now. There's obviously a ceiling for this group that's a little higher since they're starting a little lower. But can Tobias Merriweather break through as a freshman? When will he get to the point where the coaches trust him out on the field? Can Deion Colsey, coming off the fall camp knee injury, can he become a factor at wide receiver? That can really help this particular grade. I'm expecting over the next four games, this group maybe works up to a C plus. I guess if we grade on the curve and Styles maybe pushes that grade a little higher. Notre Dame offensive first four week report card. We go to the tight end position. Now before you curse at me, give me a chance. I said B plus. Michael Mayer is an A. Think blocking can be a little better, but I mean this kid is as good as it gets running routes getting separation, catching passes, wide radius of catching the football, yards after the catch. He's exactly what you want in a tight end. So the B-plus has nothing to do with him. I just think there's been a lack of production consistently at the number two position. Need better blocking at that spot. Look like Eli Raritan did a nice job against North Carolina, filling in for Kevin Bauman, who tore his ACL in practice last week after coming up with three catches for 44 yards over the first three games. So I have to look at everything. Even though Mayer is a part of that group, I went B+. But Michael Mayer obviously is on the honor roll for what he has done so far for this Fighting Irish football team. Now we move to the Irish offensive line. I went with C+. And I went with C+. Because I think their play the first two games was average. I think the last two games we have seen a much improved group working together better, getting to the second level. And I just think you see this group starting to come into their own. So if they were average the first two games and better than average the last two games, that's why I settle with C+. I would not be shocked if they're in the A-, B- category as they continue to play over the next four games. But I went with C+. Here are a couple of variables. Eight sacks allowed in four games. That's two a game. 
They entered the UNC game, 117 rushing yards for this offense. Much improved against North Carolina. Here's a highlight, Joe Alt. Again, if you believe in pro football focus and their way of evaluating games and players' performances, Joe Alt is the number one Notre Dame offensive player, regardless of position, each of the last three weeks. And he plays a demanding position of left tackle. The sophomore is working his way into being a high NFL draft pick probably after the 2023 campaign. This guy was a little tiny guy in high school. He's put on the weight, and man, oh man, is he playing high-level football for the Fighting Irish. So I went C-plus for the offensive line, but I think that grade's going to get a whole lot better. In fact, they might be the most improved grade of all of our grades we're giving out today. Finally, offensive coordinator. I think it's always very easy to point to the play caller, It's a very difficult task. It's not as easy as it looks. I put down a C for Tommy Reese right now, but I expect that to be a B plus, a B over the next four games. I mean, the offense got off to a slow start, folks. We just can't forget 18 points per game over the first three games, which was in the bottom third in the country. That's not the expectation for Notre Dame football. It's not the expectation for Tommy Reese. He was breaking in new quarterbacks. Hey, that is absolutely a major factor. And he was told to have a conservative game plan in the first game. He did what he was told. So I think there is reason for optimism. Again, let's see what happens against BYU. You're happy with the performance against Carolina. How much of it was Notre Dame getting better? How much of it was Carolina being clueless on defense? You can never take away from the offense getting better but hey that defense was kind of clueless out there and Notre Dame just stuck it to him which is important if you don't stick it to him then we're saying oh boy how's this thing going to end so they did take advantage all right so that's some grades for the Notre Dame offense as we are four games into a 12 game regular season we will look at the offensive grades once again after the next for football games. All right, 5.53 is our time. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We come back with a Twitter question of the day next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportspeak continues on this Tuesday evening with the recap of yesterday's Twitter question of the day. On Monday, we asked on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeak, Notre Dame had 287 rushing yards against Carolina's number 123 rush defense. The passing game posted 289 yards against North Carolina's number 129 pass efficiency defense. So when you think about the Irish offense, which choice best suits you? Choice number one, I believe in the Irish offense. The offense is for real, meaning you feel like it's going to now come into their own and this is going to be who they are going forward. 
choice number two. You're not sold yet. Great job by the offense against North Carolina, but you're concerned it was done against a bad defense. Well, this ended up being one of the most lopsided Twitter questions of the day that we have had. 90.3% who voted fall into the category that the Irish offense did a great job against Carolina, but it was against a bad defense, so you're not all the way sold. This thing is fixed. 9.7 said what we saw on Saturday, that is going to be maybe not necessarily the exact numbers every week, but you feel like the offense is now ready to roll. So a majority of you appreciated the effort on Saturday, but you're in a holding pattern. You're not all in on the offense until you see it against maybe BYU. And we'll see that on October the 8th. So very interesting. Almost the full majority going with great job, but (laughs) that was a bad Carolina defense. So thank you so much for voting. Very interesting results. Which leads us to today's Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day at 960 Sportsbeat. The question today is, if Notre Dame started Drew Pine at quarterback all four games this year, would the Irish have fill in the blank? Choice number one, a better record. Choice number two, a worse record. Or choice number three, they would have the same record of 2-2. Two and two. So do you feel like Drew Pine could have made a difference in these games? Or maybe they would not have played as well in the first two games. Whatever the case may be, you have your opportunity to express your opinion. And always feel free to quote that particular poll and offer an opinion on why you voted the way that you did. So today's Twitter question of the day If Notre Dame started Drew Pine at quarterback all four games, would the Irish have a better record, a worse record, or the same record of 2-2? Looking forward to your vote on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. I have a feeling this will not be a landslide like the one yesterday. It is 6.01 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Still to come in the 6 o'clock hour, five random thoughts about Notre Dame's 2-2 start to the season. We'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll touch on 2023 Notre Dame quarterback recruiting, which continues. Hope you'll stick around. We're halfway home for this Tuesday. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. From Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 610 at WSBT. Welcome back to the program. I'm Darren Pritchett again. I apologize for the voice. A little chest cold taking hold of my voice right now. Hopefully it's back to normal in a couple of days. It'd be nice to have a clear voice for 
a Notre Dame hockey exhibition game, which is coming up on Sunday at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Once again, Fighting Irish Hockey this season on our sister station, Z94.3 FM, but we're right now in a holding pattern to what channel that game is going to be on because we have Chicago Bears football on Sunday as well. So I'll let you know when I know. Our Twitter question of the day, just five random thoughts about Notre Dame football's 2-2 two and two start. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. So number five, I just found it very interesting that Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese seems to get mentioned more on a TV broadcast than Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. I mean, we get a lot of booth shots of Tommy Reese. We get a lot of, wow, that was a great play call by Tommy Reese. It, it just seems almost over the top right now. Considering this offense was averaging 18 points per game going into the Carolina game, and I thought the NBC crew went out of their way to promote Tommy Reese in the Cal game. I don't know. Don't understand the reasoning. Al Golden doesn't seem to get the same love along the way. Or Marcus Freeman sometimes. It's just kind of interesting how broadcasters are going out of their way to pump up, promote, hype, Irish offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. Four! I think it's pretty remarkable what we're seeing right now in the Irish secondary with freshman Benjamin Morrison. Morrison was not an early enrollee. He showed up in the summer, and folks, he hasn't missed a beat. I mean, you think about how coaching staffs talk about, I need to trust this guy before I put him out on the football field. Heck, there are sophomores, juniors, even seniors that sometimes fall into that category. We've heard Marcus Freeman talk about, you know, a guy like Prince Collie or any of the young offensive players. Merriweather. We got to get to the point where we trust them to get them on the field. Well, Morrison arrived in the summer, sparkled in fall camp, and it did not take them long at all to have trust in Morrison. He was out there in the high spotlight game at Ohio State in his first career game. He got his first start in college against California. I mean, this guy's made a major impression on this football team. We kind of entered fall camp thinking, you know, this could be Jaden Mickey's chance to shine. And you know what? He's had his time to play this year as well. But Morrison is the guy that has stepped in and knocked Clarence Lewis back a spot. They still need Lewis out on the field at times in packages. Still an important part of this team. Just how about the circumstance of Morrison not being an early enrollee to earn the trust of this coaching staff that quickly playing, hey, a tough position to make the transition from high school to college cornerback? I just really can't say enough about how impressed I am with the way this coaching staff has got this kid ready to go and how Morrison has taken advantage of the opportunity. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. Random thoughts about this 
Irish football team in their 2-2 two and two start. Tight end Michael Mayer is living up to everything that we expected of him. There was a lot of buzz in the preseason that Michael Mayer has the chance to be a rare commodity, to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft as a tight end. Kyle Pitts, the monster tight end from the University of Florida, went in the top 10 a couple of years ago to the Atlanta Falcons. But it doesn't happen every day. And Mayer's good enough to be a player taken in the top 10. Now it's probably going to depend on needs of the teams in the top 10. If there are a couple of teams that need a transformational tight end, they might take him. If there are 10 teams that, well, they might have tight end on their list, but they have greater needs for those positions that can make a major impact right away, high profile, we know those as quarterback and pass rusher, then Mayer slips. But he's a top 10 talent and absolutely is playing at such a high level. Sounds like he's bringing along that tight end room, being a great leader for that particular group. And his performance on the field is second to none. Another kid from Georgia, really good too, but I'm sorry, 87 is my guy. Number two. Another random thought about the Irish starting two and two. I know we have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on everything from the Carolina game because of the Carolina defense and how weak they were, but I just see the offensive line coming quick. Major stride since Ohio State, led by the sophomore Joe Alt. We'll talk to Mike Singer about Joe Alt in a couple of moments, but Mike was all over Joe Alt a couple of years ago, leader of his fan club. He was 230 pounds in high school. Now he's close to 300 and arguably the best offensive lineman on this team, and that's a line that features a guy that could be a second-round pick in next year's NFL draft, offensive guard Jared Patterson. Number one. And my final random thought about Notre Dame's 2-2 two and two start. I'm shocked they're not 3-1. and one. The Marshall game was one that slipped away. They've lost to Bowling Green in overtime. Didn't look very good. To Troy last week, a couple of more road games for Marshall. They seem to have peaked at the wrong time for this Notre Dame football team. Don't want to take away from their victory here. They earned it. They were the better team that day at Notre Dame Stadium, but their performance since almost makes the loss even more frustrating. It just seemed like the first four games were going to be pretty easy to predict. Lose at Ohio State, beat Marshall, beat California, beat North Carolina. The Marshall game was the hiccup. So, yeah, I'm shocked this team is sitting at 2-2 two and two instead of 3-1. and one. In my preseason prediction, I had Notre Dame losing to BYU. Really curious to see the Cougars on Thursday when they host well, Utah State, but a chance to see what that BYU team is all about. I know their quarterback is off to a pretty good start this year. So those are five random thoughts about Notre Dame's 2-2 two and two start. In today's My Five. Hey, let's step aside for a moment. Get ready for plenty of Notre Dame football recruiting conversation. Quarterback recruiting. The decommitment of Elijah Page. Who's standing out right now? 
among the Notre Dame commits in their high school play. We'll have that discussion coming up next. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. We could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, like how they require minimums, and worse, how the rewards flat out expire. Or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. That's amazing. And now that we've talked about that, let's get back to, you know, the stuff we talk about here on the show. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. That's discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms do apply. Energy is something we have less of as we get older. And that's why I take M-Drive supplements for driven guys with clinically tested ingredients for healthy T levels and the drive to get things done. M-Drive can help you stay motivated and energized. And now you can try M-Drive for only $5. Text DAN to 55000. Claim your offer. M-Drive. Text DAN 55000. Get your first order. $5. Accomplish more with M-Drive. Message. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape, must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business and pet refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. It's time to talk Fighting Irish football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated's insider, Mike Singer, as we broadcast this on 960 AM WSBT and also on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Mike, good to see you. Good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing excellent, Darren. Hope you're doing well, man. I'm hanging in there the best I can. Hey, it's a bye week for this Fighting Irish football team that got back to the 500 mark with a record of 2-2 two and two after beating North Carolina. Now the Irish are back on the practice field today, and it sounds like they'll practice again tomorrow. But what about between the end of the Carolina game and starting practice back up on Tuesday? Was that a time frame where the coaches could get, could get out and do a little recruiting? Yeah, uh, Marcus Freeman was, was out on the road recruiting on Monday, Darren, and um, reported as much on our uh, blueandgold.com message board. Um, and, uh, yeah, the staff will yeah, – they're in South Bend Tuesday. They'll be there Wednesday. And my understanding is they'll be out on the road Thursday and Friday. So, um, I mean, I covered, what, 
three three seasons of Brian Kelly, and I know one of them was a COVID year, so you couldn't you know got on the road recruiting in 2020. But I don't remember bye weeks where the staff was out on the road three days. Really? Um, so yeah, this is more recruit. Re- if my memory serves me correctly, it would just be that Friday. Go see a game, stop into some high schools that you know maybe some local recruiting. Um, but yeah, that that would be pretty much the gist. So um, definitely, you know, and it, may, it makes sense. Like more recruiting in a bye week for under Marcus Freeman, who puts such a priority on the uh, on the recruiting process and, and and you know getting high level players. So um, yeah, good good on the staff, and um, you know I'm sure it's far from an off week for them, Darren. This is a very busy week for this staff between recruiting and, uh, you know, getting back to South Bend and for practice. Was there any common thread amongst all the coaches going to see a certain class, 23, 24? Is it just a, a mixture? Yeah, it's it's definitely both. You know, 23 targets, 23 commits, and, and the same for 2024. So um, the, the theme would be seeing your top players. Pretty much, Darren. I mean, you know, you, you go out on the road, whether it's a commit or target, and, you know, try to see as many as you can. You're not going to be able to get to see everyone during that period. It's just not feasible. Um, but, you know, you try to, you know, go check in at those high schools and, and see as many guys as you can. I don't want to steal too much from a premium story, but it sure seems like there's a lot of players to look at in the St. Louis area. It's a big area. It's a big area for Notre Dame football recruiting, Darren. And, um, you know, Notre Dame is, is obviously signed some um, big-time talents. And Kyron Williams, the St. Louis kid, you know, Tyson Ford's on the Notre Dame defense line. You've seen Gabe Rubio play on, uh, in Al Washington's unit a lot more um, in his sophomore season. So, yeah, Notre Dame's definitely been uh, recruiting heavily in that area. I want to go to something that Marcus Freeman mentioned in one of his press conferences recently when it was brought up whether he would have interest in pursuing a grad transfer quarterback after the season. There was also a question about, did they think about doing that before this season? And in the midst of his answer, he said, hey, if we need to go get a class of 2023 quarterback, we'll get one. Based on all the things that you have told us for months now, obviously the Irish do not have a quarterback right now in the class of 2023. Is it feasible to bring in a quarterback and not just a quarterback to fill a spot, Mike? Obviously, if you're looking to go get someone, you're looking for someone that can maybe impact your program. Is it realistic at this point? I thought his – I didn't make a whole lot of his comment. I think it was kind of just like an off-the-cuff thing because they need a 2023 quarterback. There, there's no, oh, if we think we need – you need a 2023 quarterback. So it, if I would be stunned if Notre Dame doesn't take one. Now, a good follow-up question is that, well, who would it be? And my answer is I have no clue. Like, I don't know if Notre Dame has a great idea. And we're less than three months from National Signing Day. So, like, look, some of – like, a lot of what Notre Dame will do on the recruiting front is very public. You know Notre Dame is going after Tayshawn Lyons, the four-star receiver from California. You know that they're um, trying to get Jeremiah Love you know, a big time top hundred player um, at the running back position. But then they're kind of working behind the scenes at quarterback to work behind the scenes at offensive tackle, defensive end, um, replacing Keon Keeley. So yeah, 
that that that's kind of the the gist there, Darren. They're I, I would I, they need to get a 2023 quarterback. So there's there's really uh, I don't know what else to add. I mean it's it's a it's a must. I think you might need to get a 23 quarterback and a transfer. You know, like they need to bolster this recruiting, uh, bolster this quarterback room, and. You know, if you hurt some feelings in the way, you hurt some feelings in the way. Notre Dame needs to excel at the quarterback position. I agree with what you said. and But basically, at this point, you're going to have to change someone's mind, right? You're going to have to flip somebody that's already committed to another school because, I mean, we're talking about quality of uncommitted quarterbacks. That's not Notre Dame caliber. Well, you got three options, Aaron. Okay. You can flip somebody. That's a, that's a good one. Notre Dame's. Tried to do that with Austin Novosad and Kenny Minchie, and it doesn't look like either's worked out. Um, you can go find some up-and-coming quarterback that's not, you know, probably that coveted, which I know is the one that's going to, you know, make Notre Dame fans roll their eyes and shake their heads. But um, that's still an option. And then option number three is you flip a player that's already committed to you. And uh, you flip CJ Carr from 2024 and – you haven't joined the 2023 class, um, and that that's still to be determined from what I'm told. So, personally, for me, and you know, the, if I if I were Notre Dame's quarterbacks coach, and thank God I'm not for the Fighting Irish, I would try to f- get somebody to flip, bring in a transfer, and then also get CJ Carr next year. I am trying to overhaul that room. Um, and, and bring in as, as many guys as I can and kind of let, you know, let it be a thing of survival of the fittest. That's, that's me. Um, but I, sometimes that can, it's not a, it's not a black and white thing, Darren. You know, that, that's, I think that's kind of a playing a video game mindset. Um, but sometimes that's not reality. I know you deal with a passionate fan base and you know what? Thank goodness for that. You've got fans that care deeply and they want to know all the insight and everything that, that you report and your opinions. And I know oftentimes some of those comments are very emotional. But I don't think this is an emotional comment. I think it's a very fair question and conversation to have. This is Notre Dame. This is a program that's been to the playoff two times in the last five years. And we sit here, it seems like, every year talking about question marks at the quarterback position during recruiting. I don't think it's an emotional question to ask. It it does seem to bog your mind, the prestige of this program, everything it has to offer, going to the playoffs, winning 10 games every year. It seems like every year we're kind of in this particular spot with no commitment or they take a guy that not everybody is all in on. The... It's it's it, there's a lot that goes into this. Darren. Oh, I know. There's, there's a lot of points. That, I mean, if you look at the quarterbacks they've recruited, um, I mean, Phil Jakovic. I mean, just coming out of high school, Phil Phil Jakovic was highly decorated. He and he didn't want to wait around. Um, you know, he could have been sitting in his second year at Notre Dame here. Um, the last three cycles, Notre Dame signed an Under Armour All American quarterback. <laughs> I mean, Drew Pine, Tyler Buckner, Steve Angeli. So like you, you just—I mean, I don't—I don't—I don't have an answer for you. But there. those there's, aren't there's can't no misses. I can, I can, those aren't can't misses. The elite of the elite. Everyone wants the can't miss quarterback. There's not many of them, and not many of them want to come to South Bend, Indiana. And you know, you if you want to argue about you know Tommy Reese as a recruiter, I think that's fair. Um, 
I, I'm sorry, Darren. I don't really have a perfect answer for you here. No, nope, <laughs> you're gonna have to give me more answer. time. To, yeah, I, Notre, Notre Dame's not getting it. Not getting it. Not getting it done. That that might be your answer. Does CJ Carr fit in that category? Oh yeah. Okay. CJ Carr's there you fantastic. go. That's a building block. But but also, look 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 back in, in, in history, Darren. When Tyler Buckner committed, he was fantastic. The jury's very much out on that. Drew Pine was an elite quarterback recruit. And then it just seemed like his stock just continued to drop. I mean, when he was in, like, eighth grade, he picked up Bama and FSU offers. Like, I mean, like, and that's when Bama – or, excuse me, FSU was much more of at its peak. Um, so, you just keep going down the line. It's like coming in, very exciting, and then – and then you're right where you're at. So it's 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 more than just like recruiting on the because on paper it's looked really good, but then got injuries, transfers, you know, d- development. There's just all these things that also come into play. So um, yeah, it, it's like I said, there's a lot to it. Okay, I'm just speaking for the people. That's all. Putting it out there. All right, Mike Singer, Notre Dame Football Recruiting Insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Within the last week, the Irish had a decommitment from offensive tackle Elijah Page. It doesn't sound like there's many details why he decided to decommit from the Fighting Irish. Just offer your perspective on what the Irish have lost in this offensive lineman. Yeah, it's one that kind of came out of the blue, first of all, Darren. It wasn't, um, you know, one that's, really thought was coming like we had known that usc was um recruiting page despite his commitment and that um the trojans were the the program that he was leaning towards before he eventually picked the irish um so i you know think they just kept working on him and and you know looks like they will end up flipping him because he's visiting usc for an official this weekend so um yeah notre dame is losing a left tackle like i i do believe that this man is um, you know, on the trajectory to play left tackle at Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, it's, I still would argue that he'd been the third offensive tackle in this Notre Dame class wow. behind. Sullivan Absher's outstanding. He's a top 100 player. And Charles Jagisaw's the number one offensive tackle per on three. So, you know, for as good as Page is, he would have been the third offensive, like he's the third best offensive tackle in this class from Notre Dame, in my opinion. And I think, you know, you just kind of look at that and, you know, I mean, being the third offensive tackle in their name's class is not a bad thing because it's offensive line you. But I think if you're Elijah Page, you're thinking, you know, the distance. I've only visited there once. Phoenix to South Bend is a lot more difficult than, you know, just getting from Phoenix to Los Angeles. So I think all those things kind of weighed on his mind. And, you know, um, the start to Notre Dame season compared to the start to USC season, I'm sure that couldn't have helped Notre Dame either. So, Several factors. I, I want to say that you know the proximity to home was you know one of the bigger factors there. Is there a need to bring in that extra offensive tackle now in this class? Is it a must or a maybe? I think it's a must. Okay. I think they need to get somebody. Yeah. Speaking of offensive tackles, I, I just again got to give you credit. You were the leader of the Joe Alt fan club, and for a third straight week, if you believe in pro football focus and their grades. He is the number one graded offensive player for the Fighting Irish. Marshall, California, North Carolina. And there's some 
first round picks or second round picks on this Notre Dame offense and Michael Mayer and Jared Patterson. Obviously, they play different positions, but Joel plays one of the most difficult positions on the football field in left tackle. And Mikey continues to grade out so extremely well. And for a guy that was so under the radar for a lot of people, not you, it's remarkable this time last year, people were still just finding out about Joe Alton. Now look at him, maybe one of the best football players on this team. You know, my name is always going to be associated with Joe Alton. So that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, he's outstanding. He's going to be a first-round pick. Hmm. And and now people always ask me, hey, Mike, who's your next Joe Alton? Like, who's the Joe Alton for the 2023? I'm like, crap, I don't know. I just kind of closed my eyes and swung and, and, and hit a home run. So, nah, you did more you know, than that now. He, it was not luck. Jelly was my boy for this past class. Um, I think the world of Angeli, and it, it, it's more of an underrated player. So, you know, it's a guy that maybe not everyone's excited about that I am. So Angeli for last class. Um, and this year, it looked like Preston Zinter, a, um, a linebacker from Massachusetts. I, I, I'm a big, just a fan of production. I like just I, I, projection and upside's really nice, but I, I, I'm a sucker for just someone who's dominating on Friday nights and Preston's interest been outstanding. I mean, think back. What did you see in Alt back then that got you on the bandwagon before so many people? Was there something about him, a trait, a skill set? What was it? <laughs> you're, you're making me laugh because it's like, you know, like I did something special here. Well, I, you know, I, you I, nailed I, it I long just, before like he was say, well known. I, but I didn't see this this soon. I thought it would be junior year because – Darren, he was a 230-pound tight end as a junior. I mean, he and, that, 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 and then you're you're recruiting him before the start of his senior season based on 230-pound tight end, and so that's a projection. No one saw him going from 230 pounds to you know 18 months later, 295 or you know whatever, and um, starting you know halfway through his freshman year. I didn't see that, but. The, the traits were the, just the frame and that you know he can put on um, this weight. You, uh, the athleticism, he was a good basketball player, I believe. And then his dad, John Alt, was, you know, Great. a fantastic offensive tackle, multiple-time pro bowler with the Chiefs. So there was just a lot, you know, there. Um, and then you talk to him, and he's just a fantastic kid, just a hard worker, um, I always joked when he was a senior that, you know, every time I mentioned his name, he'd gain five pounds. Cause seriously, every time I would check in with him and or his dad, it's like, Oh, gained another five pounds. Oh, he's now he's up to two seventy five. Now he's up to two eighty. Just, just kept growing. Hmm. Amazing. Well, maybe someday he'll be like the left tackle of the three and O Miami dolphins, Liam Eikenberg, or is he right tackle? I forgot. He's a guard. He's a guard you now. Know, you know what? No, I'm having a hard time. remembering. That's okay. Hey, he's doing he a great job. He might be job. back at the, I know they brought him in as a guard, but okay. Um, yeah, I'm just amazed watching Tua Waddle and Hill. I'm not watching those big boys up front. So I just saw Eichenberg in the shot where Tua fell down. He was the guy helping him. So and I'm just having a brain fart. That's okay. That. Hey, Notre Dame commitments right now playing high school football is somebody really bawling out more than anybody else. Who's caught your attention? So one thing I want to mention is that it's it's like hard to like throw um, you know the linemen into this group because yeah. I mean, they don't have stats 
So you're really just kind of going off uh, the guys you, you have staff on, and then some of the linemen, they're committed. They're not putting out tape. Like, I know Sullivan Absher's been outstanding, so I can mention him. But I talked to, you know, a, a good source who told me that, like, Drake Bowen, um, you know, from, you know, Andrian and, and Maribel, he is playing, like, at the high school level, he, he's playing just, he might, like, he, like, at the high school level, he's one of the best high school football players in the country. Yeah. Like, that's dominating. That's, like he, he is simply dominating on both sides of the ball. Um, I mean, last week, you know, he ran for over 200 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, I'm sure he had a handful of tackles as well. I mean, yeah, Drake Bowen has been outstanding. Throw, you know, Jaden Greathouse from, from uh, you know, Texas, the wide receiver. Um, you know, he's got, I think, like four receiving touchdowns in five or four or five games with a couple punt return touchdowns. Mentioned Preston Zinter earlier. I think he's been um, very good this year. C.J. Carr, Darren, um, the, again, the Notre Dame 2024 quarterback commit, completing 71% of his passes, um, 1,100 yards through five games, 11 uh, passing touchdowns, three picks, and he's also ran in five touchdowns. So C.J. Carr's been pretty good this year too. Okay, very good. Just a quick thought, what you saw in that North Carolina game? Um, I I think the defense will be fine. I do too. Just a couple things to correct. Um, I'm, you know, I'd be much worried if they don't have the Jimmys and the Joes. You know, there's just a, you know, bad couple bad plays. Not not too worried about that. Um, and I think the offense kind of found its identity. Um, Drew Pine. It, it was basically like the second half of the Cal game, but he threw some deep balls. Yeah. So I think you feel pretty good, but you got to take it with a grain of salt because Carolina's defense is awful. We'll learn a little more when BYU and Notre Dame gets together in Las Vegas next week. All right, so give us the scoop, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. What's happening right now? Dollar for one year, premium access, Darren. Um, still going on. Um, I, I'm surprised it is, but it still is. So um, you'll have to check it out um, at, at, at blueandgold.com. All the recruiting information, coverage of the Notre Dame football team during the bye week. A lot of, like, um, bye week superlatives like who's grading the quarterbacks um, you know grading these position groups just kind of a, a review of the season thus far the guys at Bloom will do a great job so please go ahead to the site and check it out very good he is Mike Singer the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated blueandgold.com good to catch up with you as always and we will talk to you next week all right. Thanks, Darren. That's Mike Singer. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 